Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Jake Neer sitting in today for Stephen Henderson. Thank you so much for tuning in. A little later in the show, we'll talk about a fascinating new book titled The Sack of Detroit, General Motors and the End of American Enterprise. It details the ways that the auto industry has declined over the past several decades. And author Kenneth White pays particularly close attention to GM, the company that was the main target of a 1966 Senate hearing on auto safety. You do not want to miss that conversation with Kenneth White, Kenneth White later in the program. But first, school districts and educators have faced all kinds of challenges in the past year and a half. That's on top of the normal trials and tribulations that come with running a school or a classroom. Now, after completely retooling to meet the needs of students and families while also keeping them safe from a deadly pandemic, they have yet another hurdle to clear. And this one is completely man-made. It looks more and more likely that the state legislature will fail to meet their July 1st deadline to adopt a new K-12 budget. For most businesses and organizations in the state, it's not that big of a deal to not have a budget done at the beginning of the summer. But unlike most places, schools have a fiscal year that starts on July 1st. So not knowing how much money is coming from the state is a big problem for their ability to budget and plan. Here to talk about it is someone who understands public schools and the legislature very well. Robert McCann is the executive director of the K-12 Alliance of Michigan, a statewide education advocacy and policy organization that represents more than 100 school districts. Bob, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Jake. Thanks for having me. So um, in a past life, you worked as a staffer in the legislature as well. uh, And so you've seen this process from both sides of the equation. Remind our listeners why it's so important for schools to get this state budget done by July 1st. Yeah, I I think you said it well, Jake, that while the majority or in in fact, the entirety of the rest of state government runs on an October 1 fiscal year, meaning it's not that big of a deal if budgets don't get done until later in the summer or even into early fall, every school district in Michigan is required by law to have their own budgets done by July 1st because they run on a July 1 fiscal year. And, you know, without certainty coming from Lansing in terms of how much money is being appropriated to districts, how that formula is being distributed, it really leaves every school district in Michigan doing a lot of guesswork in terms of how much money they're going to have and how they can best put that to use in the upcoming year. And coming out of a year of unprecedented uh, disruption to students' lives, those aren't guesses we can afford to make. We need to have that level of certainty, and we need to know exactly how much support we're going to be able to provide these students in the upcoming year. And of course, this isn't the first time that the legislature has not met this deadline for schools. I mean, you know, thinking especially back, uh, you know, a decade ago, <laughs> you know, this is a, a regular occurrence. But uh, could you give me some some maybe real world examples of what it means for schools to not have this this budget uh, done and this ability to plan? What does that actually uh, look like uh, in schools? Yeah, uh, you know, two years ago is probably the most recent example mm-hmm. of when we didn't have budgets done until uh, it, in fact, it went a little bit past September 30th and went into the, the first days of October. And, you know, what that did then is it forces schools to just assume for the worst that basically they're going to have the exact same budget they had the year prior. So they're really running their school district in a status quo kind of way, meaning 
they're not adding support staff, they're not adding any new teachers because they don't have any certainty that they're going to be able to afford that through the upcoming year. While in a normal environment, that may be somewhat workable, certainly not ideal, but somewhat workable, this year it's not workable because every parent in the state rightfully expects their schools to have some additional supports in place for their students in the upcoming year. We know uh, many, many of our students across the state have struggled over the last year, and we have every intention of bringing in extra support for them, whether that's reading coaches, tutors, uh, uh, social workers to help with their mental health support. These are all things that we have every intention of providing students in the upcoming year, but without funding coming from Lansing and without even any certainty of what that funding is going to look like, a district can't move forward with that. They can't even put job postings out to start the process because they don't know what the resources are to, to pay for those positions. And the longer that goes into the summer, the harder it's going to be to fill those positions because if this is going into July and into August, it's too late at that point to find these people to fill those positions. So there's a real urgency in getting this done and getting it done very, very soon. And Bob, I'm going to go way out on a limb here and assume that like everything, uh, this is landing. This is this will land harder if it do, if they do blow past this budget deadline. It'll land harder on schools uh, in low income areas, ones that are already experiencing uh, these pressures uh, more than than other districts. Am I right about that? Yeah, of course. It's 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 always going to affect districts differently without a full understanding of their budget. But certainly this coming year. Uh, we know that there is uh, over $4 billion in federal support money waiting to be sent to Michigan schools. This is money that the federal government, both the Trump administration and the Biden administration, have specifically set aside for Michigan schools, should have already been appropriated to our schools and being put to use, but is being held up as part of these discussions going on in Lansing. And, uh, you know, those, that, those dollars are going to be a tremendous help for low-income school districts, and the longer that money sits in Lansing and doesn't flow down to them, the harder it's going to be for them to ultimately spend that money, especially in the upcoming school year. This is Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer, sitting in for Stephen Henderson. I'm talking with Robert McCann, the executive director of the K-12 Alliance of Michigan. That's a statewide education advocacy and policy organization representing more than 100 school districts here in Michigan. We're talking about the fact that the legislature has been signaling that they might blow past their July 1st deadline to get their school budget out and ready for schools to plan and be able to de- you know decide what their budgets are going to look like in the new school year starting July 1st. Uh, and if you want to get into this conversation, we, want, we, we would really love to hear from you. What is your reaction to the news that state lawmakers could miss their deadline to pass a school budget before their July 1st deadline? And what do you make of the other big deadlines that they just missed, as Robert McCann just mentioned, to simply pass pass along $3.7 billion in federal COVID dollars to school districts by May 27th or May 24th. That's when that deadline passed. What do you think of that schools could be doing with that kind of money? We especially want to hear from you if you work in public education. What does it mean for you and your students to miss out on state funding and miss out on this ability to plan your budgets? What does it mean uh, when you don't have that information in front of you and you uh, have to decide what things are going to look like in the new uh, school year? Again, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also leave a message for us and comment on Twitter using the hashtag Detroit Today. 
And Bob, uh, there are a lot of changes uh, in projections in the state that, that the legislature is working with right now to figure out how much money they actually have to spend. I sort of assume that that is one of the reasons that we're seeing this delay. Um, we started out with a budget shortfall for the year. Now we're looking at two new projections recently that show huge surpluses. I imagine uh, that that, although it's good news, it throws sort of a wrench uh, in the work that's already been done on the budget. So, but I'm I'm curious, what is your understanding of why this is taking so long? Politics, <laughs> to put it uh, bluntly. Uh, sure. You know, I mean, Jake, you know as well as I do, the level of politicalization of everything in Lansing right now is probably higher than it's ever been, and that's just making you know getting quote unquote deals done extraordinarily difficult, even on something as fundamental as the state budget. Um, but you're right, there is. A, a very unique circumstance here that, you know, we aren't looking at making difficult decisions in terms of where to cut budgets this year. This is really a once in a generation opportunity we have in front of us to make critical investments instead that we have these one-time funds, both federal money and additional state resources that are available this year to really fix some of these generational holes in Michigan school funding formula uh, for the better. And I hope that, you know, if we are continuing to engage in honest negotiations about how to spend that money, that, that, that we are approaching it with that approach. It's not just about, you know, taking the amount of money, putting it in the existing old broken formula and sending it out the door and calling it good enough that, you know, we need to look at these additional resources we have available for the first time in decades and say, how do we make lasting change with that money? How do we fix this approach and use that money to create a change that's going to benefit students, not just next year, but, you know, 10, 20 years down the road. So, uh, you know, I, I, it's hard to be optimistic right now when there's so much politics being played in this. But, you know, really, I'm hoping that if there's one issue that we can put that aside and do the right thing, it's this, because every student right now needs it and deserves it. I, I, that's a really important point. I mean, uh, something I wanted to get to is the fact that none of this is happening in a vacuum. I mean, think about some of the things that the legislature is doing while the governor is is trying to negotiate this budget. Uh, you know, we're, we're look, looking at, um, you know, a petition to take away her pandemic powers or her emergency powers at this point. Uh, a number of uh, things that are, are happening in the legislature that sort of directly target and uh, um, you know, the, the governor's power and her ability to do her job as well. Um, and, and you know, the governor has also, um, you know, uh, been doing things to try to get uh, that money that you mentioned, especially the, the COVID relief dollars from the federal government um, spent. But it doesn't seem like there's a lot of movement on the Republican side to do that. But uh, again, you know, there are some some huge political moves happening right now in the legislature coinciding with this budget that are, um, you know, that seem kind of, uh, you know, nakedly partisan. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, those issues have been tied directly to school funding in mm. many ways in the last few months. We saw a supplemental spending bill that would have appropriated all of that federal money at the time. This was pre the previous to the American Recovery Plan money, the money that was passed under the Trump administration. There was a plan passed by the legislature that would have sent the rest of that money out to schools, but they tied it to a bill that also required the governor to basically sign away her pandemic powers. And, you know, by vetoing that bill, it unfortunately in, in turn vetoed all that school funding. So conflating those two issues is just, you know, in my opinion, 
wildly inappropriate to be doing right now. Uh, you know, I don't care where anybody lands on the political side of, of how this pandemic response has gone. You know, there's obviously uh, any number of debate that can happen about that. But tying school funding to that issue, I, I, I've, I've yet to meet a superintendent. I've yet to talk to a student that cares, uh, you know, mm. who wins these political battles right now. They simply want to know that they're being supported and that the the funding that frankly should already be in our schools is being spent at our schools and isn't being held up in a political battle. So it's deeply, deeply disappointing that it's gotten to that level that, you know, that we're tying political issues to school funding. But unfortunately, that's that's simply the reality of Lansing right now. And I think it's also interesting that you bring up the idea of how this could change the the calculus on the our school funding system going forward. I, I've done a couple of sort of really unscientific, just personal sort of surveys of people at places like the the Mackinac Policy Conference and so forth, where I go around and, and ask uh, anyone who really is involved in in schools and, and school issues, um, you know, uh, about. Proposal A and the system that we use to fund schools, and I don't think you could find almost anyone who would come out and say that the way that we do this and and the way that we allocate funding for schools is is working uh, overall. That that changes must be made. But I also don't know if you'd find any person that is confident that that there's a you know any political will to have that big conversation come back and really think about how we could restructure this. Um, do you think that this does represent sort of an opportunity to, to have those discussions? It represents an opportunity to fix some of the major holes in the system. It doesn't necessarily equate to an opportunity to fix the entirety of the problem. I mean, you're right. If you go back to Proposal A, you know, a, a generation ago, uh, I think if you were to flash forward to today and see what the consequences of it are, we probably wouldn't have done it that way. Mm-hmm. And the problem is fixing it now is a very, very large political lift for anybody to get done. And I don't know that there's the will to do that, especially not, you know, in an era of a term limited legislature in which, you know, in a couple of years, it's someone else's problem to deal with anyway. So I'm not going to put, you know, the political capital into trying to tackle a problem of that magnitude. I mean, that's really the reality of of what we hear from legislators. But, you know, with this extra money on the table this year, this it, it does give us a chance to fix some of what's broken with our school funding system. You can look at something like the MIPSER system, which is the school retirement program, which, you know, is it was something that Governor Schneider tried tackling the debt within that system because it's such an undue burden on every school district's budget. You know, we often hear the per pupil allotment of what every school district gets from the state. Well, what's not often as widely reported is a significant percentage of that money that a public school district gets it has to get kicked right back to the state to cover that unfunded liability in the MIPSER system. It is a huge drain on every school district's budget. And if we use some of this one-time money that's available in the budget this year to pay down that rate on the system, we would be freeing permanently up hundreds and hundreds of dollars per pupil for every school district in Michigan going forward. So those are the ideas that we need to be thinking about right now to say, yes, this is one-time money we have in front of us right now, but how do we use it to create a lasting change for Michigan students you know, for years to come now? 
All right, we are going to continue this conversation with Robert McCann, Executive Director of the K-12 Alliance of Michigan, right after a short break. And uh, we will continue talking about school funding and the fact that the legislature has not yet passed a school's budget before their July 1st deadline. They might go past that deadline and make it harder for schools to plan. What is your reaction to all this? You can call in at 313-577-1019. Again, that's 313-577-1019. How do you think we should be funding schools here in Michigan? And what should we be doing with the billions of dollars we have in one-time funding to improve our system? Again, 313-577-1019. We'll be right back after a short break. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Jake Neer in for Steven Henderson today. We are talking about what's happening with schools and their budgets right now with the state legislature uh, very likely blowing past the, their July 1st deadline to pass a K-12 schools budget and what that means for schools. We're also talking about the billions of dollars that the legislature has right now to send into our school systems here in Michigan, but they have not done that for months and actually have missed some really big deadlines to do so. Uh, what do you think that money should be spent on? What do you think we could do with $3.7 billion in federal funds for our schools? What what would that mean for schools here in Michigan? And what do you think it would mean for your local district? Uh, call in and tell us, especially if you are a teacher or a parent uh, in a school district, what does it mean for you? What does it mean for your uh, students? What does it mean for your kids uh, that um, we are not doing what we need to do to get money into the schools? Uh, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. Again, 313-577-1019. You can also use the hashtag Detroit Today on Twitter as well. I'm talking with Robert McCann. He's the executive director of the K-12 Alliance of Michigan, a statewide education advocacy and policy organization representing more than 100 school districts here in Michigan. And Bob, I want to talk a little bit more about this uh, $3.7 billion. Um, the legislature failed to pass that money before the May 24th deadline that was actually built into that, that law that sent that money. Uh, Michigan, Michigan Senator Debbie Stabenow actually put that provision in the law. Uh, do we have any clarity at this point about what missing that deadline means? Is there a good chance that we, we've actually lost that opportunity to pour you know, $3.7 billion into our education system? in Michigan simply because lawmakers failed to pass it along in time? Uh, the short answer is I don't know. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, the concerning thing is that I don't know. I mean, the fact that we are having this conversation that the federal government sent us, you know, almost $4 billion to support our students coming out of a pandemic and all our legislature had to do, like, there, there's no leeway. There was no debating about how to spend this money. There's only one way to spend it. And it was dictated by the federal government to send out to the districts. Uh, All they had to do was pass a bill that says that money is appropriated. And we still couldn't get that done. A a job literally that simple couldn't get done in Lansing. So the fact that we're even having to ask the question of what happens to the money since we missed the deadline 
is is deeply concerning to me and deeply troubling that you know i'm certainly hopeful that the federal government isn't going to penalize our students because our legislature couldn't do their job but the fact that it's this difficult to even get that money sent out which is so critically needed right now is is concerning and and what would 3.7 billion dollars mean for public schools in real terms i mean what kinds of things would schools be doing with that money I mean, that's, you know, it's transformative amount of money for, for districts. And, you know, it's one-time funding. And, and that's important to note that, uh, you know, there's certain things you can't do with one-time funding, meaning it's not a long-term funding source for new teachers or things like that. But what it can allow us to do is to implement programs over the next few years for students that are going to help them recover from, you know, from this past year of pandemic, meaning we can be bringing in and creating partnerships with other organizations to bring in social workers to help with their emotional and social recovery, their return to school. Uh, In-person learning is made easier by doing that. We can be bringing in reading coaches and tutors to help bring them back up to grade level if they've fallen behind over the past year. And then there's the bigger things that we need to be doing that a lot of this money is intended for of improving the the health and safety conditions of our schools so that if there is another health emergency like we've seen, that, that schools will be more equipped to adapt to that, meaning updating our air filtration systems and our HVAC units in schools, things that districts normally don't have the budget to be able to do of making those kinds of upgrades to keep our students safer and and introduce new social distancing measures that, again, if we need to go down this road again in the coming years, schools will be better equipped to be able to do that. So, you know, that money is already being spent in our neighboring states. They've already been, you know, taking that money sent by the federal government to them, using it in support of their students which is something we haven't been able to do in Michigan. So by delaying that money getting appropriated from the legislature, all we've done is set our students behind compared to their counterparts in other states. And I don't know why that's acceptable to anybody in Lansing, regardless of of which side of the aisle you sit on. Mm. Big Neo on Twitter says, in Michigan, holding funds up for schools is the biggest example of how Republicans do not support the citizens. I'll never understand how, quote, regular folks can align themselves with Republicans. Um, Bob, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the issue of trust at this point between schools and the state. Um, For, you know, one example I saw recently was that the Republican chair of the Senate panel that handles the K-12 budget claimed recently that the federal money we've been talking about has gone out through the supplemental process, which is verifiably wrong. Um, I'm not sure if he just misspoke or what, but, uh, you know, I'm curious what, you know, in terms of being able to communicate with policymakers, being able to trust uh, that what is happening in Lansing uh, is in the best interests of schools, how is that relationship now and how how has it changed maybe uh, in the last few months um, compared to how it was before? I'm sure that there was I mean, I know for a fact that there's always been contention there. But what you know, what are things what is the status of that now? You know, I, I, I think it's been a difficult year for communication, obviously, you know, for every facet of, of life. It's been a difficult year for communication. And, you know, we haven't had the opportunities to you know, not only in Lansing to be meeting face to face, but certainly, you know, some of the most important communication on public education happens back at home as legislators go back to their districts and and meet with, you know, whether it's a parent group or the teachers group or, you know, their school super, their local school superintendent. Those are the most important conversations that need to be happening with our legislature 
and making sure that they're aware of the reality of the situation back home because it's not something uh, you know Jake you know it is you know it well of kind of the bubble that uh, exists in Lansing that it's hard for some of them to get out of sometimes and and without the ability to have those local conversations at home over the past year I think it's made you know that that trust a little bit harder to come by just simply due to the fact that the conversations haven't been happening as 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 openly and as honestly so i'm hoping that as we you know get back to quote unquote normal uh and are able to have some of those in-person conversations happening that you know the legislature can again understand the real urgency here is this isn't hypothetic this is not just uh us trying to find you know more money it's it's a real crisis right now of trying to get budgets done so that we can get you know to work in support of our students uh, and that has to be something that isn't political. That has to be something that we can all agree is necessary. I guess another big head scratcher for me is that schools are not an issue that are uh, geographically or politically, uh, you know, uh, centered. You know, there are schools, of course, in every community in this state, uh, in, in no matter whether it's a, a, a blue district or a red district. You know, everyone's got to go home. Every lawmaker has to go home and and hear from their school officials and, and what's going on there. And I guess I've always sort of been a little bit baffled. I know that there's a history uh, that had, deals with teachers unions and and all these things. But I mean, uh, still, I mean, when it comes to the basic sort of interest of school districts, you would think that there would be more opportunity for um, for for less partisanship. But I guess as I as I noted before, none of this is happening in a vacuum. The po- the politicization of of everything, uh, you know, is is in it. You know, no no question, it is leaking into this uh, as well as you mentioned, Bob. Um, but uh, one one thing I did want to get to uh, before we have to go here is um, there the new third grade reading law here in uh, Michigan, also known as the third grade read or flunk law. Uh, it's the first time this month, after years of talking about and having this law on the books, this this month is the first time this will actually go into uh, into effect and be fully implemented. Uh, and essentially, what it means is that. Third graders who fail the state's reading test are required, with some exceptions, to be held back. Um, and now there's a bill that would expand this to fourth graders as well before we really know what this means for third graders. But what are you expecting that we'll see uh, with this law taking full effect for the first time very soon? I think, you know, it's it's every superintendent I've talked to, every teacher I've, I've heard from is incredibly frustrated that you know, this law is being allowed to take effect this year in a year in which students have been, you know, through unprecedented struggles in their academics. You know, the solution, you know, and this is backed by any study that's ever been done, is not to hold students back. It's not to punish them if they've fallen behind. It's to provide them with extra support and try to boost them back up to where we want them to be. And unfortunately, uh, our legislature wouldn't waive that uh, that retention requirement in the law this year. But, uh, you know, yes, those letters are now going out from the state, have, have already gone out from the state to parents, notifying them uh, that their child may have uh, fallen behind and be eligible for retention. What I think every superintendent in the state is doing right now is trying to engage those parents and inform them of their rights under the law to seek waivers for that, meaning we don't want to be, as you know, as a school community, we don't think we should be holding kids back this year. Uh, you know, we can debate whether this law was misguided from the beginning, which it was, but, you know, particularly coming out of a pandemic, the last thing we should be doing right now is punishing students 
uh, and holding them back. We want to be supporting them. We want to be getting them back to where they need to be, uh, and we're going to be doing everything we can to do that. But we are working actively, and I know all of our superintendents have been busy with this over the last several weeks, of, of helping parents understand their rights to seek waivers from that retention requirement to make sure that uh, that they believe that they are doing what's best for their own child. All right. The number is 313-577-1019. Again, that's 313-577-1019 if you want to join the conversation. Uh, and then, and Bob, I just want to really quickly get to uh, one more uh, issue that is coming through the legislature right now that would affect schools, and that is um, there's new bills to ban critical race theory in classrooms. Um, and I'm, I'm curious what your reaction is to that. This is part of a sort of a nationwide um, you know, legislative response on the on the uh, you know part of Republicans um, that we're seeing all over. It's been in a lot in the news a lot lately. But what are your thoughts on these new bills that would ban critical race theory in classrooms here in Michigan? It's it's a waste of everyone's time. Is my reaction to that? Uh, you know, look, yes, it's part of a national political campaign, and the fact that we are again purposefully political politicizing the education of our students is. Uh, concerning. And, and, you know, the fact that this is getting serious uh, time in front of our legislature at a time where all we are asking from them is to get us a budget so that we can educate our students uh, is incredibly frustrating to every educator I've talked to. Uh, You know, the fact that this is simply, you know, injecting politics into history. It's injecting, you know, fictional tales of what's being taught into our classroom, into the political process. It, it, it just doesn't reflect the reality of what's going on in our schools. And the fact that, you know, this is what's being given time in the legislature, you know, while budgets are missing deadlines mm-hmm. is, is troubling. Yeah. And I, I, I can't explain it beyond that. Right along the lines of, again, none of this is happening in a vacuum. Um, again, you're listening to Detroit Today. I'm talking with Robert McCann, executive director of the K-12 Alliance in Michigan. And let's go to Tim in Bagley. Tim, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. Uh, you know, your speaker, who has just finished making a very good statement, of which I am in total agreement with, I not only feel as though it's a mistake to start sending out letters of retention. Unfortunately, we hear this on the radio every time this year for the past several years that, uh, you know, our third graders or our elementary lower L kids are failing reading. There's something that needs to be examined much more closely here. By far, please don't anyone ever say that it's the teachers, it's the school, it's the district. It is absolutely not. I think those legislatures are more interested in writing bills that allow them to have uh, raises and vacations more than they know anything about what they're doing. They know nothing about education. They are not educators. And yet they have got this little axe to grind with the city of Detroit and southeast Michigan. That is not fair at all, along with the fact that these teachers need to be evaluated still. Mm. And we're dealing with this pandemic, and we've got to deal more with the child's mindset, attitude, and, you know, uh, anxiety levels and suicide levels more so than the academics, and they want to rate us on that. Something is terribly wrong, and it always starts in Lansing. Tim, I, I so appreciate you calling up and, and offering that perspective here on the show. I really uh, think that that's really important. I mean, you know, a lot of the a lot of this falls on educators uh, when they're not able to do their jobs uh, because they are just simply not getting the support that they need. Uh, I am not an educator. I don't know that know how uh, that feels firsthand. But I have heard so many stories of you know the, exactly that being set up to fail in so many ways and the consequences that we build into 
into the law here in Michigan. So, Tim, thank you so much again for that. I really want to get to AJ in Sterling Heights really quick. AJ, uh, welcome to Detroit Today. I only have about a minute here, but I wanted to get you on. Okay. Hi. So I graduated high school in 2011, and we're still having issues passing budget. For numerous years in a row, my school district would have basic paper supply shortages. We wouldn't have toilet paper for the bathrooms. We wouldn't have uh, actual printer paper to print out homework assignments on. We had to ruffle through uh, stupid recycle bins looking for papers that had clean backs to even print uh, paper uh, homework out on. And we're still having problems with the budget so that we can get basic supplies in schools. Mm. It just it causes such unbridled rage in me mm-hmm. that yeah. I had to do that in high school, and it's still a problem now. AJ, thank you so much for calling up and, and offering that as well. I really appreciate it. Bob um, Bob McCann with the K-12 Alliance, uh, really quick, just want to give you a quick opportunity to, to respond to those last two calls. Yeah, uh, you know, certainly to AJ's point, uh, I, I, I agree with her 100%. Uh, the fact that we are still having these debates of, we all agree that Michigan's school funding model is broken, but we can't get an agreement on actually even trying to do anything about it is incredibly frustrating, you know, this many years later. Uh, and that's why, you know, we are pushing so strongly to say we do have in front of us right now a once in a generation opportunity to make some significant strides in that direction. And if we don't do that, then shame on all of us, because, you know, it, these problems are not going to simply go away by just throwing a few extra bucks into the system. Uh, that doesn't work in the first place. And then to the to the previous caller's point, uh, again, I understand his frustration with that, that, you know, we time and time again see the legislature debate policies and have the education community experts from across the state and often across the nation come in and say, this is the wrong approach. Don't do this. The legislature does it anyway. And then when things go wrong, they turn around and ask schools, well, why didn't that work? What mm. did you do wrong? And it's, you know, we told you this was going to go wrong. So I certainly understand the frustration of teachers around the state right now that are feeling the pressure of, uh, of, of a lot of these things coming due, especially over the past year. And, you know, all I can say is, you know, that we need to continue speaking up and speaking up about what's right for our students going forward. Robert McCann is the executive director of K-12 Alliance of Michigan, a statewide education advocacy and policy organization representing more than 100 school districts here in Michigan. Bob, thank you so much for joining us today on Detroit Today. Thanks, Jake. I appreciate it. All right, coming up, a conversation with historian and author Kenneth White about the downfall of GM and other auto giants in the 1950s and 60s.